The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the, with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he rose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For, it, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you for uh, just this passage and this opportunity to uh, just learn something about ourselves, God, that you want to teach us through it, God. Um, I just pray that um, you just would bless Randall, God, with just uh, strength and just uh, humility, God, to just express uh, just this sermon, God, to us. Um, it would just have open ears and open hearts um, to hear what uh, you want to speak to us, God. Um, we just love you. We praise you. We thank you for this opportunity to just uh, worship you and uh, just uh, get to know you more, God. Um, I pray that we can just know you deeper, and um, yeah, we love you. We thank you for all that you do. In your holy name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Bailey. All right. Great to see you this morning. Thanks for being here. Uh, welcome to Grace City. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Randall. I'm a pastor here. Um, so we've been in this series looking at Luke 15. Um, and so today, if you've got your Bible, we're going to be right there, Luke 15, uh, verses 11 through 24. And um, before I uh, share that, I just want to encourage you, uh, just as was talked about earlier, this summer we're going to take a little bit of a break from our city groups and do something different with these uh, discipleship groups. This is an opportunity for you to uh, dive in a little bit deeper into the word with a smaller group of people. And so um, if you're new here, this is a great time to get connected uh, to some people around you. And also, um, if you've been here for a long time, like um, I would encourage you to come to that facilitator meeting uh, next week, because I think that could be a great um, opportunity as well. Um, But this summer, we're going to be going through the book of Philippians. Um, So we're going to be studying it as a church, and then in these uh, little discipleship groups, we're going to be going through it uh, together uh, with those groups. So again, excited about that. Just wanted to give that little bit of an announcement. So great job uh, sharing that, Laura. Um, So this morning, Luke 15, uh, verses 11 through 24. 
Uh, this passage in particular is really what we've been building up towards. As we've been looking at uh, the beginning of Luke 15, we looked at uh, the lost sheep, we've looked at the lost coin, and now we are in this story which uh, many of you have heard about before. Maybe even if you didn't grow up in church, you might have heard this story about the, the lost uh, sons. Um, and so today we're going to be looking at the younger brother, the younger brother in this story. Before we start, my question to you is, where is home for you? Where is home for you? I was sitting with a friend uh, the other day, and he asked me, he says, um, you've lived a lot of different places. Where is home for you? Uh, for me, I was born in Hawaii. A lot of my heritage and uh, my culture and my family uh, are still there. Um, and so Hawaii is, is in some way home base, but um, I've lived a lot of different places. I've lived in the Midwest, in Indiana, and in Tennessee, Illinois, uh, Georgia. Um, lived in California for the, almost eight years now. And, and as he asked me that question, where is home for you? It's kind of complicated, right, to answer that question. And for some of you, you might have that same story where uh, somebody asks you, well, where is home for you? And it, it might be more complicated than just a simple answer. See, our city has long been known as a city of transients and transplants and people from all over, people from all over the country, but also people from all over the world. And there are different reasons why people come to San Diego. Maybe some are coming because of job or career, others for school, some for family, others for a fresh start. Me and my wife were standing in line uh, the other day at a coffee place, and uh, there's a girl in front of us. She says, I'm moving down from the Bay Area. We just started talking about just having a conversation. She said, I'm moving here because I just need a fresh start. And so there are different reasons why People move here. There was a study that was done in the, San Diego, uh, the Voice of San Diego that said 46% of San, Diego, San Diegans were actually born here, but a majority weren't. See, we're used to transients in our city. And in today's parable, we see a son that chooses to leave home for a life of transients. In verse 13, it says, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. But the question is not just, did he leave, but why did he leave? Why did he leave home? Over the past few weeks, as we've studied these passages in Luke 15, Jesus talks about heaven and, and angels rejoicing when someone is found by God. And all of this helps set up the parable that we're looking at today. Many regard this as the most loved and, and repeated amongst all the parables and, and has famously been named the prodigal son. Probably see it at the top right there, the parable of the prodigal son. Many have called it that, but Jesus makes clear in verse 11 that there's not just one son but two sons. It's plural. And that ultimately, what we're going to find out is that both of these sons are lost and have left home, each in their own ways. 
The younger son has left home through immorality. We see it in the text. He's running from home. He doesn't want to be there any longer. He wants to live his own life. But what we see is the older son is left home through morality. And we'll study that more next week. And the father is reaching out to both sons, calling them to come home. So today, our focus is on the younger brother. And what you're going to find is that some of us, we lean more towards one or the other. Some of us might resonate more with the younger brother mentality. Others of us might not realize it, but we are more in the camp of the older brother mentality. And some who are younger brothers who might come into a church and say, if I walked into that church, I'd probably be zapped dead because of all the things that I've done in my life. And then you find somebody at the door who's maybe a leader or a deacon or an usher or something like that who looks at you sideways because you're walking into a church. Maybe you have experienced an older brother. And it turned you off to God and it turned you off to the church and it made you think that that's how God must be. But I just want you to know that today God is not found in the younger brother and God is not found in the older brother, but God is found in the father. In the father. Because as we looked at, um, that God is represented all through this. We see that the shepherd from the first one, the parable of the, the, the shepherd looking for the lost sheep is that picture of Jesus seeking out the lost one. And then last week we talked about how the woman sweeping around looking for that lost coin is the representation of the, the Holy Spirit of God and, and how today as we look at this father who's, who's waiting for his child to come home that we see that there is the Father that's in heaven waiting for us. And so today, as we look at this text, my question again is, where is home for you? Like I said, it can be complicated, but I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, the fact that our heart yearns for something earth can't supply is proof that heaven must be our home. It's proof that heaven must be our home. So if you walked in today and you feel like you're searching or like you just don't fit, or like there's something missing, there probably is. Because the one point that, that God wants to get across to our hearts today is that, friends, you and I, our home is much bigger than what we think it is. And so the text is from Luke 15, 11 through 24. Just to give some context here, Jesus was criticized because of his association with outcasts. He was criticized primarily because of the Pharisees and the teachers who knew a lot about God but, but treated um, the outcasts very poorly and, and not much like God would have treated them because Jesus treated them differently. Uh, we looked at this in Luke 5, 27 through 32, Luke 7. Uh, Jesus is criticized again, and he'll be criticized later for associating with these outcasts in Luke 19. And Jesus uh, gives another parable to drive home this point and illustrate God's heart for people, God's care and concern for people. And so today, some of us might be coming to this, this text and we might be thinking to ourselves, I've heard this before. I know this story. But what I'm asking today is that you come to it with a fresh slate, a fresh slate saying, what if there's something that I could be missing or what if there's something that I can learn from this? 
Because that's the hardest thing when we read things that we already think we know, is that we think we've already parsed out and, and really gotten what we think is in there. But there's something today that God wants us to get from this text. And so my question as we go into this is, how did the original audience hear this? And what would they have been shocked about that Jesus was saying? And from that, what can we apply for our lives today? And so as we look at this text, Jesus addresses three areas in today's parable that help us to understand what home really is. What home really is. And he addresses, number one, the wandering Number two, the longing. And number three, the embrace. The wandering, the longing, and the embrace. The first one is the wandering. Look at verses 11 through 13. It says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. There it is right there, two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate." So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. What is Jesus addressing here as he's talking about this younger son? What's he getting the listener to think about? Well, many times what happens is we see what's on the surface with this younger son. We, we see that he's reckless. He's not very wise. He's asking for all of these things, and he actually gets it. But what's underneath the surface of this is not just what happens and what he does, but what's happening within his heart. See, the younger one said this. He says to his father, give me my share of of the estate. Now this request was basically saying, Father, I wish you were dead so that I can have your things. Now like we've talked about before, this is the root of sin. What it is, it's wanting God's things but not wanting God himself. And this exposes this wandering heart within the son. It's in these words. Give me my. Remember what we talked about sin. The root of it is selfish. It's I. It's me. And so what we see with this son is disturbing to us as readers because we think to ourselves, wow, how selfish, how self-centered could this young man be? But what's going on beneath the surface of this is is much greater. And Jesus is trying to point this out. Because next, it says this, not not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. It's not just that he wanted the things, but what does he do? He distanced himself from the father. He distanced himself from the father. He says, I got what I really wanted. Now I'm going to go do what I really want to do. See, one of the most destructive things that we can see in our families that breaks families apart is inheritances. I know in my family it was like, sadly, 
you see different sides of family members where you're like, what's going on? What's, what, 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 but what is it? It's I want that stuff. I want those things. I thought the relationship was important, but it wasn't. Break relationship for the sake of the things. And what we see here is that this son was willing to do that. Now, this would have been shocking to the hearers. This would have been shocking to those who were listening. Because, yes, the son was right. Those things were his eventually. But it shows the heart that he didn't want to be with the father. Remember the sheep. Remember the coin. And the question is, can we see ourselves in this story here? See, for some of us, again, we are more naturally the younger brothers. It might be what brought us to San Diego. Give me my space. Let me live how I want to live. I'm out of here. But what was his desire? It says there he squandered his wealth in wild living. Now, this, this term for wild living means reckless living. Reckless living. There was no respect for the things that he had. And so it was reckless in the way that he used it. And what we find is that the, the son is on this search for meaning outside of his father. Outside of his father. I need to find my own meaning for life. And in this, we find this points out the state of the human heart. The state of the human heart. See, the state of the human heart is that all of us are on this search for meaning outside of God. We've done it for a long time. We've looked and we've searched and we said, I'm going to try and find meaning, lasting meaning outside of God. In his book, The Fall, Albert Camus had a character named Clements who's very much the younger brother mentality. He lived and done whatever he wanted to do. And, and here's what he says. It was a confession, an honest confession. He says, because I longed for eternal life, I went to bed with harlots and drank for nights on end. I slept in bit, uh, bliss, but awoke with the bitter taste of the mortal state. But woke, awoke with the, the bitter taste of the mortal state. What's he saying here? He's saying all of the things, all of the search, all of the meaning outside of God, it, it, it ended up being empty. It didn't fulfill me like I thought. And it's an honest confession of what it looks like when our heart is wandering, looking to fill that void. Secondly, there's a longing. Okay, look at verses, tw- uh, verses 14 through 20. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his uh, fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. 
I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Okay, so secondly, what is Jesus speaking to here? Well, Jesus is addressing not only what, what, what we saw earlier with, with this emptiness that, that starts to fill the son's heart as he's wandering, but there's a longing that he has, and this longing is for home. It's to go home. You know, there's been studies that have been done that talk about how humans need some sense of security, some sense of, of stability. And there's been research and study that's been done with, with, with kids in particular. There's a study that was done when a child is bounced from home to home to home to home. And in 2015, this, this uh, writer, Deepa Fernandez, wrote about the impact of what this does when a child doesn't have that type of security of knowing what home really is. She said this in this interview where she, she said, uh, with a teacher, uh, Yanira Rodriguez, she, who, who's a teacher who works with students, who she sees this time and time and time and time again right up in L.A., she says, parents don't have a job, so they move uh, to auntie. Auntie gets tired, so they move to grandma. Grandma gets tired, so they move to uncle. Uncle gets tired, so they move to sister, she said. She said, in Los Angeles County, 82% of uh, kids that, that are homeless live this way. According to the county's Office of Education, uh, she said, anytime a child is moved, it can feel to that child like a death because it's so traumatic. And then she goes on to say how it affects the kids in her classroom. She says it makes it hard for those children to make connections with other children because they're not worried about, are you going to play with me? They're worried about, where am I going to sleep? And what Jesus is saying is, as the younger brother leaves home, leaves the security of home, and says, I'm in control of my life. I understand what life is really about. I'm going to go spend this the way that I think is best. He wrecks his life and gets into a transience and an instability that he wasn't made for. That he wasn't made for. And what brought on the, the reality of, like, this is the state that I'm in? It was the longing in the sun found in verse 14, it says that there was a need. A need. He's far from family. He spent everything. There's a famine that's come over the land and he has no place to lay his head. See, whether you see it or not, right now, you and I, apart from God, are spiritually homeless. We are. We're searching. We're looking for a place to, to rest See, there's a deep need that, that keeps us bouncing around from place to place, and we must come to our senses, like it says, with this younger brother, this younger son. Has it hit you? Is there a longing? 
Is there a need that's starting to form? Because here's what it means to understand Christianity. It's when you have an actual need for God. When you start to, 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 to feel it inside of you. And Jesus tells us, to be a Christian, all you need is need. You don't need to bring anything to the table. All you need is need. And so the question for us as we look at this story is, as we look at this younger brother, do we have a need? Do we have a gaping hole in our lives? Because Jesus knows we all need a place. A place and a longing for home. Lastly, the embrace. The embrace. Look at uh, verses uh, 20 through 24 here. The second part of verse 20. Uh, so he got up and went to his father. But while uh, he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. What's Jesus emphasizing here is, as we look at this third point and look at the embrace? Well, first, it's the radical love of the father. It's the radical love of the father. It says this, that the focus goes from the son to the father. What type of father did he have? He has a father that as he looked in the face of his father and basically said, I wish you were dead, that his father responded like this. His father saw him, was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. What this picture is, is in a Jewish context, off the grid, off the charts, completely off the charts, unheard of. In Jewish culture, this is, this is the, the, the ending that they weren't expecting, right? This is like, this is like the... Um, the sixth sense moment. And again, if you're like, I've, ne I've never seen, I was gonna watch that tonight. Do not tell me you were gonna go watch the sixth sense tonight where you were like, hold on, he was, what? No. So <laughs> this is that moment where you are shocked at the end, right? M. Night Shalomon has been trying movie after movie after movie to try and recreate that again has not been able to do it. This story is that at the end. Because, why? Because the Jewish audience was expecting his son to get a beating. That's what would have happened. He would have been ruthlessly beaten and thrown out of the family. That's what they would have expected. And what was so radical is that Jesus said, Nope, this is different. This is coming from the mouth of Jesus. Threw his arms around him and kissed him. 
First, the radical love of the Father. But second, the, the honest confession of the Son. Do you know what he's working on his whole time? I'm guessing he's probably working on his speech of how he's going to convince his father to accept him back into the family. And what this is saying is that there is something in us that when we walk into a church and we haven't been for a while and people haven't seen our face, that there's something in us that's making us feel like, you know what, I feel like I need to come up with something some kind of like thing that's just like, you know, th th this is the reason. And there's something spiritually within us that, that makes us think that we got to make up a reason for God too. And I just want to tell you, this isn't that kind of church. And you are welcome, and we will wrap our arms around you, and I'm so happy every time that we see you and that there's a God in heaven that embraces you in a way that you could have never expected. But there's something in us that makes us think we got to make up some type of excuse, something that's like, man, this is something that's rattling around in me right now where i got to kind of tell my side of the story. And he, so he's like... Uh, thinking about it, and, and he just gets these words out. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father doesn't even seem like he responds to that because he embraces him and he loves him and he kisses him. And, and I love this from Harry, Henry Nowen because he, he speaks to this thing that's in us. He says, for most of my life, I've struggled to find God, to know God, to love God. I've tried hard to follow the guidelines of the spiritual life, pray always, work for others, read the scriptures, and to avoid the many temptations to uh, dissipate myself. I failed many times, but always tried again. Even when I was close to despair, now, I wonder whether I've sufficiently realized that during all this time, God has been trying to find me, to know me, and to love me. The question is not, how am I to find God, but how am I to let myself be found by him? The question is not, how am I to know God, but how am I to let myself be known by God? And finally, the question is not, how am I to love God, but how am I to let myself be loved by God? God is looking into the distance for me, trying to find me and longing to bring me home. Do you feel that? Do you feel that about God? See, what this does is it turns this idea that we have about God up on its head and it's like, man, there's, there's that welcome from him, from the Father, saying, come home. See, what, what this, this is... Uh, Again, off the grid for us. And when we think about this last part, it's, it's the extravagant grace of the Father. See, the Father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf, kill it. Like, why? He says, because my, this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and found. So they began to celebrate. See, the, the pleasure that this son had looked for all his life apart from the father, the thing that he was looking for out there was 
everything he needed with the Father, in the Father. The pleasure he'd looked for elsewhere was found at home, in the Father's house. It's coming home. And so as we think about this, some of you might say, man, that's my story. I'm that younger brother. I'm that one that's run far from God. I'm the one that's tried to find my life outside of God. And I just want to encourage you today that there's a heavenly father who loves you like this. Next week, we'll look at the uh, elder brother. And I think, you know, proportionately, there may be sometimes more elder brother <laughs> mentality in the church. Or maybe we start out as that younger brother, but then become super judgmental and become like that older brother. But I just want us to, to look at this today and to get some takeaways, okay? And so how can we apply this to our hearts? The first one is this, by seeing the wandering heart, by seeing it, by looking within yourself and having some self-examination and saying, you know what, That's, that relates, that's me. There's a hymn written by uh, Robert Robinson, and it's called, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And I remember when I first heard it, because it stuck out to me, it was, it was profound to me. Because in it, it says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. You ever saying that before? And I thought, oh, yep, that's me. <laughs> prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Well, at that point, Robert Robinson was, um, he had just gotten saved and he, he'd written this, this hymn. And then he'd gotten into ministry. And then something happened along the way in his life where he started to get further and further from God and he, he distanced himself from church, from God. And there's this widely told story about him that one day he was riding in a stagecoach and there was a lady riding with him and the lady asked him what she thought about this hymn that she was humming. And the, hum, uh, the, 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 the hymn was, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And he looked at her and responded, Madam, I'm the poor, unhappy man who wrote that hymn many years ago. He says, I'd give a thousand worlds if I had them to enjoy the feelings I had then. People point out in this last parable that it was the son who came to his senses and came home. Like we don't see the father running out looking for the son like we see in the other uh, parables. But what we see is that actually God is the one who does search. It's bringing all of these parables together. See, Jesus made it very clear that God was the one who was searching the whole time. But the thing that came to this son's mind was about the father and what he was like and what he would, he would have done and what, who he was. There's a wandering heart. And all of us, and I want you to know that there's a father who's reaching out. And he'll put people like this 
in your life. And so my encouragement to you is just know that that's from him. Just know that's from him. When you're struggling, when you you feel like you're down and out, when you feel like you're wandering from God, like he'll put people there to call out, to reach out to you because he loves you. Second is the empty room. The empty room. I'll never forget my my friend uh, Matt telling me about (laughs) the empty room. You know, you, you feel like you accomplish all of these things in this life and then when you get to the top, you think that it's going to be filled with joy and everything that you dreamed of, and then you walk in and it's an empty room. I think that's a perfect visual of what this son found as he thought this lavish life that he was going to live was going to be the fulfillment of everything that he needed. But what he found was that it was an empty room. C.S. Lewis says this He says, The unsettled happiness and security which we all desire, God withholds from us by the nature of the world. The security we crave would teach us to rest our hearts in this world and oppose an obstacle to our return to God. A few moments of happy love, a landscape, a symphony, a merry meeting with our friends, a bathe, or a football match have no such tendency. Our Father refreshes us on the journey with some pleasant ends, but will not encourage us to mistake them for home. Friends, to know that there's a greater home, there's an eternal home that's much better than the one that we can try to make for ourselves here. And that's what scripture encourages us again and again. And friends, you know it, we live in this city that again, it's just like, it's harder and harder to live, right? It's harder and harder to find a home. It's all these things for us. It's hard. But let the scriptures remind us that our home is not here. But God's word says that we are citizens of heaven. That's our eternal home. That's the lasting home. There's temporary ends, but there's an eternal home. And if we try to go towards those temporary ends, it will be an empty room every time. The last point. And I want to speak to this because I think this is something that we can all struggle with is, is the prodigal's suspicion. The prodigal's suspicion. I thought this is a great point by Sinclair Ferguson when he talks about this, the prodigal's suspicion from Luke 15. Okay, he's thinking about this. He says this. He says, Jesus was underlining the fact that despite assumptions to the contrary, the reality of the love of God for us is often the last thing in the world to dawn upon us. Last thing to dawn upon us. As we fix our eyes upon ourselves, our past failures, our present guilt, it seems impossible to us that the Father could love us. Many Christians go through much of their life with the prodigal's suspicion. Their concentration is upon their sin and failure. All their thoughts are introspective. What is it that we wrestle with on a daily basis? That God could love me. The prodigal's suspicion. Right, the prodigal comes home. He's lived this life. He's out there in the world, but then he comes back home and is embraced by a father For how long? For how long? I remember my son. He had a really bad day. He was struggling. 
And I just remember him as just this little kid. And he just looks up at me and he says, Dad, I've had a bad day. Are you going to kick me out of the family? The prodigal suspicion, right? He's had a really rough day. As a father, there's no way. I love my son. But think about this type of father. Greater than even a, a flawed father like me. And the love that God gives us. And so as we wrap up, how do we get this eternal home, a forever home? The one that this prodigal son here, the one who's run away, the reckless son. How do, how do we find a forever home? Well, it's in Jesus. See, the only way we have it is because Jesus left his eternal home to come and be with us. Jesus said he would come to this earth, he would prepare a place for us by going to the cross. And Jesus came at infinite cost to himself so that we could be adopted into the family of God. And the ultimate prize is not how much stuff can I get from God, but how much of God can I get in my life? The prize is God, not his stuff. Because though you and I have never met him face to face, when we start to think about that longing in our hearts, he's the one that we've been longing for the whole time. See, God came for you and me to take us home with him. And so as we think about this message, this story of coming home, I want us to look at John 14, one through three, and these are the words of Jesus. Here's what he says. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. That's the heart of God. That we ran far from him. That our path that we paved was one that would have left us transient, living from place to place to place, but never finding that, that fulfillment. And Jesus said, I'm coming. I'm gonna come for you. And I'm gonna take you home. That's the gospel, friends. Do you believe that today? Do you believe in what he's done for you? Do you believe he's that type of, of God? I hope you do. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the gift it is to know you. And there are many places we can say when it comes to where we feel like home is. But yet there's something in our hearts that just kind of leaves us feeling like there's something that is still not right, still not the perfect fit. And it's because we were made for something more. We were made to live with you forever. And so God, I just pray that we see ourselves in this story, 
and that we're not the hero, but you are, and that you came to rescue us. And I pray for that need in all of us, that we feel that need that we need God. That comes from you, Lord. Bring us to our senses so we can see you and trust you. Thank you for that great gift it is to know you. You're better than any possessions that we could have. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.